Welcome to Rob Evans 365, day number 96. And it's a big day here in Melbourne, Victoria, because it's the Saturday, the day of the AFL Grand Final. Now, for those of you not listening in Australia and have no idea what AFL football is, well, if you know what NFL football is in the US, it's nothing like that. But the ball is kind of a similar shape, except it's got rounded ends. Very physical game. And uh, they compete for 23 weeks of the year, I think. And then they have finals. And today is the, the grand final. And it's competing between... It's a national competition now, so it's competing... Uh, Collingwood, who's based in Melbourne, and a, a Perth team, the West Coast Eagles. And the day is cold. It's 10 degrees right now. It's uh, 8 a.m. in the morning. And it's, uh, it's already rained a, a fair bit as I drive past a soccer oval that has got the sprinklers on for some reason. And uh, it's going to be a cold, wet day at the MCG, which is the world's biggest and best stadium. We're lucky to have that in Melbourne. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be a wet, cold, damp affair, but it's a big event here. Now, what's interesting is that uh, I barracked for a team called Carlton uh, ever since I was a child. I barracked for them. A lot of the, uh, the um, footy players that went down and came uh, played for Carlton came from Bendigo, which is my hometown. I used to have a cousin, uh, third, third cousin or something, Peter McConville was his name, number 33, he used to play for uh, Carlton as well, so I always followed them, and they did really well in the, the 70s and the 80s, and I don't know, maybe some of the 90s. Uh, but they have finished about bottom of the ladder. And I, like, since being a kid, I was, you know, passionate, had the footy jumper and all that kind of stuff, but I'm not anymore. Uh, but one of the things that, uh, you know, interests me about the AFL football, I don't particularly care about the, the results so much, but uh, is to love the, if I could have access to it, and if they were closer to me, I'd probably go and watch some of it, but it's their training. Uh, you know, seeing what they do to prepare themselves for for these games. So I've, uh, I've seen bits and pieces from time to time of uh, people that are... Um, uh, you know, training uh, in the AFL or soccer or, you know, whatever it is. And uh, just watching the drills that they they perform, uh, listening to the coaches and, and the fitness staff and so forth and how how they're communicating with their players, you know, what, what they're hoping to achieve from certain drills and, and that kind of stuff. Uh, I find that interesting. Uh, I'd love to, you know, get that behind-the-scenes uh, fly on the wall, listen to the coaches at, uh, you know, key moments of games and, uh, you know, at training days and that kind of stuff, just to, just to find, find out how they coach. And, like, t- take a team like uh, Carlton, for instance, that finished, I don't know, they're either bottom, second bottom, something like that, and each year, 
Oh, there's a beautiful rainbow. Uh, each year, for certainly the last five to ten, each player on that team going in know that they're going to finish probably bottom, near the bottom of the ladder. Now, how does that motivate you to get out of bed and train hard and do the best that, that you can? That requires a definite skill uh, in coaching, doesn't it? To be able to motivate the players. So I think there has to be a different style of coaching. You're no longer coaching to, you know, based on a, a win. You've got to set some other goals for yourself. Um, you've, you've got to say, okay, we're going to set some goals for ourselves based on position, uh, possession, sorry. Um, whether it's tackles, whether it's, you know, how many times that the, the footy comes into the, uh, you know, the 50 metre arc, uh, you know, how many shots on goals, how many misses were there, you know, all that kind of stuff. They've, they've got to be focusing on those sorts of numbers, I think, so that they can see, okay, well, we know that, mo- I think they won two games for the year out of 23. Um, if you're focusing just on that as your success, the players are going to be completely demoralised, aren't they? So they've got to be some other targets. And if I liken that to um, people's health and fitness goals, uh, then uh, it's very similar. If you're always focusing on the, the number on a scale, uh, whether that be weight gain or weight loss, fat loss, uh, then at some point you're going to be ignoring the other aspects and it's going to eat away at your mind as to uh, you know, why you're not being successful or you're only looking at certain components being the scales and not realising that you are actually making progress in a whole bunch of other areas as well. Uh, so uh, I think that's fascinating from a, a coaching perspective and would you know love to see uh, you know like game plans for some of these teams that are near the bottom as well as the top obviously uh, to see what's the what's that differentiation that the coaches can bring to the players' mindset to help bring the best out of them when if they thought about it deeply they know the outcome is most likely going to be a loss. Um, I've, I find that interesting and um, strangely enough when I went to have a cortisone injection uh, last year sometime before I had the, um, the shoulder surgery uh, the place where you go and have the imaging is at Olympic Park or the old Olympic Park I don't know what they call it now but Olympic Park in Melbourne and oh, unbelievable facility in there but what you've got on the outside is a number of uh, ovals and I'm, I'm not sure who, who they were, whether it was the Melbourne Storm, which is uh, an NRL rugby uh, team. Um, there were some soccer teams there too, so I don't know whether it was like Melbourne Victory or someone like that. Um, but they were doing some training drills at the, uh, just where I parked. I got to park right next to the oval where they were, were painting. They were literally, I could hang over the fence and touch the players. And I stayed there for a little bit. I, I was disappointed that I had to go in for my image because I just wanted to stay there and, and watch. And it was, it was really great to see the, uh, some of the drills that they, they ran through. And one, it gives you some ideas as to what you can do at boot camp, to be honest. 
um, but also just how the fitness coaches are communicating with the players, what they're getting them to do. Uh, obviously, with the sport I was watching, which was NRL, it's very, very heavy impact. They're big guys uh, on game days. They're having massive impact uh, into each other's you know, bodies. And just to see how they do that in training, because obviously if you trained like that all the time, um, then you're going to be constantly filled with injuries. And it was interesting just to see how they did that as well. Uh, so, yeah, so that's my take on the, the grand final today. I don't particularly care about the, the outcome, although it's good to see a Melbourne team win, I think, given that I'm from Melbourne, uh, but not particularly fast, uh, would be to see how, uh, you know, what are the game plans that the coaches have got, having an ear in that coach's box and down on the ground and seeing what are they, what are the, what are they saying to the players, how do they change that, that momentum shift uh, you know, listening to the leadership team and what are they saying on the ground to, uh, you know, bring up um, certain players and that kind of stuff. Um, that that's my side of these team sports that I'd be fascinated with. And uh, yeah, so that's the AFL footy today. Now I am in the car, which you can probably tell, and it's a big day for me today because I am heading into the Avenue Hospital uh, and that's the hospital over the rooms from uh, sorry over the road from the rooms of uh, the shoulder surgeon that I see uh, Dr. Matthew Evans and he has um, arranged for me to have an x-ray of my left shoulder and an MRI of my left shoulder as well and that's going to happen in about an hour's time the roads are wet the traffic as I get closer to the city will be quite heavy for the grand final heading into the MCG. I'm hoping that I can avoid that in a big way and I'll give myself plenty of time to uh, to get here. Just excuse me for a second, I'm going to sneeze. Oh, excuse me. My hay fever is starting to play up as, uh, as spring is kicking on. Uh, yeah, so um, I don't know whether I gave you a recap the other day, but... Uh, uh, Don, Dr. Don McIntosh, who I had to go and see uh, for the referral. I'm not sure whether I finished that uh, by telling him what uh, had happened there. Uh, but uh, he's given me the referral. He, um, uh, we went through the images. He hadn't seen the images of my right shoulder, and I took those in to him and was having a talk through those. And this is fascinating um, to talk to these different specialists to find out you know, their perspective and to gain a greater understanding of the anatomy and, and interest and stuff, obviously because it's, it's my body, but also um, so that I can better relate as a coach to, to other people with injuries as well, having, uh, you know, know what things feel like, knowing what scans show up, uh, knowing what, uh, you know, cortisone and anti-inflammatories do, and then knowing what surgery ultimately does as well, and then what the rehabilitation um, is required as well. So it's um, no better way than experimenting on yourself uh, to know how to coach someone else through it. Uh, so what was interesting about that uh, discussion I had with him was, I, as you know, I was a bit worried that maybe he wouldn't grant me the referral and, uh, because he wanted to continue uh, with some anti-inflammatories and some alternate treatment. Uh, but when I told him everything, um, he said, no, look, he said, you've done the, the right thing. He said, you've saved me uh, time. He said, you've done the right thing. 
and he said I'll write up a referral over the weekend so hopefully he's doing that now Don go for it so we get that uh, ready for Monday uh, but he also um, did a, a couple of tests on me uh, what was good so I showed him the images I said have you seen these and he said no I haven't so he took a copy of them and we just walked through them and he showed me a bit that I actually wasn't um, I wasn't clear on before so um, I think I've mentioned before that the uh, the MRI didn't show up um, certain things and the uh, the cortisone injection didn't do anything and the uh, the ultrasound didn't show uh, the right thing either so you know I've spoken about the limitations of this technology and Don was talking about that the same way as he said look uh, we just didn't see any of this uh, in uh, you know the other scans so that you know these are great pictures and um, it was showing me so I knew one was the bursar and one was uh, there was four images on there and one was the before photo one was the after photo of um, you know where he he cleaned things out and you know and, um, how can I say shaved away filed away part of the bone uh, to make there a bigger gap there so that I wouldn't ever have that problem again but one of the things I, I didn't realize was um, if you imagine how can I say this let's take a rubber ball and imagine that's the area where I had shoulder surgery so imagine you've got a solid rubber ball now imagine then that um, you've got um, a little gap in that rubber ball let's just say it's a, a 10 mil a centimeter uh, straight across that gap and um, when you raise your uh, shoulder above that's um, that should always be clear now um, I had a, a little bone spur a little shark tooth if you like sticking down so every time I raised my arm up that uh, dug into the rest of the rubber ball now one of the things that I didn't realize was uh, that that was completely covered like a round ball and it shouldn't be now what had happened was because of um, the irritation that my bursa was going through that his shark tooth was uh, you know, scraping across so the bursa is okay imagine you've got that round ball and there's a sack of fluid underneath it a little cushion a squishy cushion between that and the shoulder uh, the, your shoulder and that little cushion acts as well a cushion uh, when you raise your arm up so that it's not grinding directly into the bone now because I had this little bony spur and that was rubbing against the bursa um, it's supposed to be white okay white is a, a sheet of paper and mine was pink and um, uh, Dr. Evans showed me the, the photo of what my bursa looked like and it was, it was pink and you could see where it was irritated so imagine it being pink but then um, how can I say I go back to the ball imagine there's a a red kind of not a rainbow but a kind of a little arc a dark a darker pinky color across there now that was where um, this little shark tooth was rubbing constantly against the bursa now what that had also done was caused a whole bunch of scar tissue and this would have happened over years and so that um, you know we're supposed to have that gap in the rubber ball well that was all completely sealed over so he's cleared that off and he's then had to file it out so he's had to 
you know, clean all that off first, scrape it off all the bursa first, uh, and clean off all that other scar tissue before he could get to seeing the tiny gap and realizing, well, we need to make this a much bigger gap. So none of the scans could pick any of that up. Um, so it was only a little camera inside that identified that. Um, so it was really great to get that insight from him uh, because I love to be able to understand these things better. And the MRIs, uh, you know, they're hard to, hard to understand what you're looking at sometimes. So when I um, have a look at uh, the ones this time, I'm going to, uh, with uh, Dr. Evans, uh, obviously I want him to explain, you know, what he's seeing and how it compared and I don't know whether they returned the scans to me actually after the last one. I'll have to have a look. I'd like to take those ones in so that we can compare them and say, do I have exactly the same issue or am I just getting the same outcome now? Uh, so, so that was good. And then he, he had to do some tests on me to see. And there's this little test called an O'Brien's test. And so imagine that you have your arm out straight in front of you and you're pretending to hold a cup upwards full of water so it doesn't tip out. And what Don does is he applies pressure on your forearm and you have to push up into it. And in a normal healthy shoulder, that shouldn't hurt. And obviously you can hold it there or there's no pain or you know, he's going to put so much force that your, your arm comes down. Uh, now, uh, so we did that one and he didn't have to push into me very much. For me to feel that pain in that exact same spot as I got in the, the right. And then you empty the cup, so uh, arm straight, and you've emptied the cup out, and he does the same thing, and that one was more painful. And what was interesting was he said, um, he said that the range that you've got there in your left is actually a fair bit less than you had in your right before you had the scans and the surgery. So um, the reality is my left could actually be, be worse. Uh, so, as I've said before, uh, I believe that my right has masked the left for a long time. Um, I have had it flare up from time to time when I've gone extra heavy in the gym and stuff. And now that it's taken an extra load for over 12 months, um, I think, and now that my right has overtaken my left and I'm enabled to you know, push my body further, uh, then that is just making it uh, come to the fore much more. So I'm doing the right thing. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so going in for the scan. So I, I am looking forward to that and um, making sure that we get to the bottom of this. And you know what? I'm completely open to the fact that if he looks at the scans and says, you know what, there's nothing here that's completely different to the right, Obviously, I don't believe that would be the case. Otherwise, I wouldn't be going this, this path straight off. I'm just trying to save time and fast track everything and not wasting six months or so. Um, but if he says, no, nah, look, it's just going to take rehab and look, this one might be just like that, uh, then, you know, I'm open to that too. It's just, it's just frustrating. Uh, so, yeah, there, there we are. And then on Monday, so today's Saturday, they'll get the scans across to him and I will uh, I'll go and see him I'm seeing him Monday afternoon um, so that'll be that'll be interesting to see what he says yeah yeah so that's uh, that's my morning uh, the day will be spent 
Oh, I've got some good news. I have some good news. So, you know, I, I keep saying, you know, you keep doing the good things, you keep putting good things out there, and good things will come back to you. Um, some not so nice things have happened in the past few days, uh, but some good things certainly have. And I told you about the drama that I had with Valerie, the MIA uh, person uh, through the agency. Well, I still didn't hear back from her. Uh, but they said, look, let's forget about her and let's find you someone else. And so they, they said they were going to come back probably by Monday. And this is the difference between, you know, uh, under-promising and over-delivering. So they said that, so my expectation was Monday. I got a message Thursday to say that we've found somebody. Uh, we've only picking one candidate for you rather than send three. We'll just pick the best one and send that to you. They sent uh, me her details. I also asked for her to do the test before the interview. She did that and she, they forwarded me the results of those. And um, I had a look through those and she'd done a nice job uh, with those things. And uh, then they rang me and said, when would you like to interview her? And I said, how about tomorrow? So they teed that up for me. And I interviewed her yesterday at uh, one o'clock. And I was really pleased. Look, I could tell that she was nervous. Uh, so the interviews are via Skype. Um, this lady is based in the Philippines. Um, that's the, the agency I use. Uh, the, um, this staff member is based in the Philippines. And uh, yeah, she, like, she was good. She said all the right things. I could tell that she was nervous. Um, I think there's some cultural differences in just understanding uh, when you say some things, um, you know, a, a Philippine person will interpret it as one way and uh, we would mean another. So a good example of that uh, was when I was talking to the, the agency manager afterwards. He said, yeah, um, in the Philippines there's a couple of distinctions and... Um, you know, one of the first ways that I start to get to know somebody during an interview, even though that I do have their CV in front of me, that only says one thing. And you can say something about your cell phone in the written form, but it's not until you start talking about it that you find out what the reality is. And um, so I said to her, can you tell me a little bit about yourself? And she told me all the personal things about herself, the fact that she was... Um, you know, she was married, now she's divorced, she's got the two kids, and, you know, that kind of stuff. She didn't tell me anything else except personal stuff, and he said, yeah, he said, when the Filipinos, um, when you ask them questions like that, they immediately tell you all their personal stuff, and they said they will continue to do that, uh, whereas in Australia here, uh, we just wouldn't do that. In fact, it's, uh, it's not legal to be asking people about that, that kind of stuff. Like, you can't say, so are you married? Um, you know, do you have kids? You're planning on having kids? Uh, you know, do you have a boyfriend? You know, that kind of stuff. You're not, you're just not allowed to ask. And for the right reasons. I mean, it's not, it has no relevance to somebody's ability. And certainly in the old days, I mean, I've spoken to agencies in the past that said they will specifically not hire women that are a certain age because they know that they're going to have a baby in the next few years and it's going to completely disrupt the business and they don't want to waste that time. Sounds wrong. I know it's not something that I would do. And in fact, I would nurture somebody through that process um, so they could be a great 
um, loyal employee for you. Uh, so anyway, so the we went through the interview. It was about 20 minutes. It wasn't, look, it wasn't as good as the other lady, I, I don't think. Uh, but look where that one ended up. She sounded good, talked the talk, couldn't walk the talk. Uh, so, um, uh, yeah, so I'm obviously, I've interviewed like dozens and dozens of people in my, my professional life. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm prepared to, to give her a go. Um, you know, I think she's got the, the skills of what I want. And I guess what, I guess there's a couple of key principles that I look for when I'm looking for a staff member. First one is personality. Well, sorry, no, that's not true. The first one is passion. You've got to be passionate about what it is that you do. You have to be passionate about wanting to work with me. You have to be passionate about working in the fitness industry. You have to be passionate about wanting to grow, doing your best. You have to be passionate about wanting to be part of a team. So I've probably covered up all the other ones right there. Um, But personality is the next one. Um, You've got to have personality. I mean, um, I work in the people industry, the coaching industry. You know, you've got to have great people around you that have great personality, that genuinely love people and love dealing with people because if you don't have that, man, it's tough. It's really tough. So, um, yeah. Uh, so she, she had good personality. The next one is to make sure that they're coachable. I mean, if somebody is not coachable, so I interviewed a guy... Uh, last time after I interviewed Valerie and look this guy had no personality there were some big language barriers um, and when I asked him about what his biggest weakness was he said being bored with certain tasks and um, he didn't like the kinds of tasks that I was going to give him so he said he would be bored now he didn't directly say that he wouldn't like the tasks that he was going to give me that I was going to give him but um, I knew the tasks that I was going to give him, and he said they were the types of tasks that would make him bored. I thought, well, that's completely awesome. Uh, so, um, you know, she specifically said that uh, she wanted to be part of a team, and that uh, she clearly, I think, she was coachable um, because uh, she also said that she wanted to be thrown in the deep end. She wanted to be given tasks that were tougher um, to test her. She wanted to grow, and uh, you know she wants to to learn. And I and I am wanting somebody that wants to grow, you know, with me and with the team. I mean, right now I have oh gosh, off the top of my head, without thinking about them all, probably about six people now in my team. So obviously there is. Uh, well there's myself I have um, Elizabeth who just started who's uh, obviously a trainer and so she's one of them Um, I have Lisa who uh, is also a client that's been doing uh, looking after my social media and um, some website stuff so she's been doing a great job I have uh, Pamela who's based over in the US and she's been are looking after some marketing for me, specifically uh, the book cover and some ads and so forth. Um, so she's another one. And then I have Jenna, who's based in New Zealand, who's doing uh, my newsletter each month. And 
uh, she's doing a great job in supporting me with that. And then obviously we've got Mary, who's about, oh, Mary's her name, I don't know whether I mentioned that. Um, she's about to start, so I'm giving her a go. And um, then obviously Cherie, she's a big part of my team as well. So I guess there's seven people uh, in my team. And they're not all full-time, uh, but they all play a role at different place in time. And that team's only going to get bigger the more that, that I expand. And then I've, I've, I've obviously got my coaches who are a part of that, a key part of my team as well. So I have Inga, um, and I have a story about Inga, which I will, um, I'll have to share with you, maybe tomorrow. And uh, yeah, then there's the team at JT Fox as well. Um, and they're obviously part of my team too. So, uh, you know, what can seem small on the outside is actually I, I have a, a great team that surrounds me. Obviously, I've just taken some action immediately, well, recently, I should say, uh, to make that team uh, bigger and more full-time uh, so that I can have more support uh, from an administrative perspective as well as the, um, you know, the training perspective. And uh, yeah, so she was very keen on becoming part of that team. And I really do call it my family uh, because my clients and my family and, uh, you know, the, the coaches are part of my family as well. And, uh, you know, they have your back and they walk with you. And, well, there's another one, you know, recently, uh, you know, Marcus is a big part of my legal, um, my legal team. And, uh, you know, he's helped me. Uh, with uh, a bunch of legal advice uh, over time from business to, to personal. And there's Alan as well, who's um, a great uh, a great member of my team. He's um, in insurance and uh, you know, great with that side of things too. So, you know, Mary's part of that team, going to be part of that team now. So I spoke to the agency and they've sent me through the paperwork, which is sitting in my inbox right now, actually. And... Um, she is probably going to start on Wednesday next week, so I'm going to use the next couple of days to, to get busy uh, about around some processes and that kind of stuff. And there's going to be a fair bit of my time to start with in terms of coaching her so that she can understand my style. Uh, and it is different not having somebody sitting there right with you and getting used to you know, working with somebody through the technology. But, gee, I mean, it's so easy these days. It's, um, it's not going to be a drama. Um, so I'm, I'm excited about that. Really great. Yeah, so that's, um, that's the good news. Maybe uh, tomorrow I'm going to end this call now. It's been long enough today um, with um, some struggles that there have been in the, uh, this last, last few days. Um, and I'll give you the outcome of the grand final and the outcome of my scans. Today. Well, actually, they probably won't tell me today, but um, I will give you the outcome of my journey. Alrighty, that's Rob Evans 365 out today. If you are watching the footy today, um, I hope your team wins. Alright, I'll see you tomorrow.